Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Up the Bible this morning to the book of Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. I want to share a message with you that is uh, going to be kind of a, a two-part message for this Sunday and next Sunday, uh, leading up to the, uh, as I mentioned, my favorite holiday of the year, which is Thanksgiving. And so I want to preach a couple of messages on the uh, on the topic of gratitude and thanksgiving. And so in order to introduce this topic to you, uh, I have discovered that there are basically two kinds of people in the world. There's the, the first kind of people who, as you're driving around town, uh, anytime the, the needle on the gas gauge falls below the halfway mark, you pull into a 7-Eleven, and if the warning light on the gas gauge ever turns on, it's like you break out in hives or fall to pieces. I must find a gas station now. There are other kinds of people who believe that the E on the gas gauge stands for enough. And if they have one of those cars that tell them how many miles are left before the gas will be gone, they look at that and say, challenge accepted. And so, show of hands this morning, who of who you are in group A, the responsible ones, we can trust you with our children, uh, and those of you who are admittedly in group B, that would be me. How many of you are in one group and married someone in the other group? Yeah, that usually happens. God has a sense of humor. But here's the thing. It doesn't cost any more to keep your tank full. Whether you fill up every week or every other week or every month, how many understand the cost is still the same? Just depends on how much you drive. And even those of us who like to push the limits of the gas gauge have to admit that it does make sense to not let the gas turn into fumes before we sputter down the road to our final destination. I want to tell you this morning that gratitude is like fuel in your tank for the spiritual life. And there are those who allow their spiritual gratitude tanks to run on empty. It is often when we when we lose our gratitude for the blessings in our lives that we begin sputtering out spiritually, right? If I see somebody who's complaining, if I see somebody who's depressed, if I see somebody who's stressed out and filled with anxiety, oftentimes I can tell the gratitude gas tank is low. And I'm not saying that people who uh, who have a full gratitude gas tank, all the, I'm not saying that we don't go through fewer things in life. Of course we do. Everybody goes through things. But what I am saying is that life is a lot better when you can say, thank you. 
Thank you, God. Thank you for the blessings that I have. First Thessalonians 5.18 says to give thanks in all circumstances. That's a challenge, isn't it? We, it's easy to say thank you, you know, if you win the lottery. Oh, thank you, Jesus. But it's not quite as easy, you know, when the, the bills with red ink are coming in the mailbox. But if you are someone who regularly tops off the tank of gratitude during the good times, then it is less likely that you're going to run out during the hard times. And so in this week and next week, I want to top up your tanks and celebrate our favorite holiday of the year, Thanksgiving. This week, we're going to look at five things we can thank Jesus for. And next week, I want to discover with you five things that Jesus was thankful for. And we're going to be challenged in gratitude this morning. Let's read this story, a familiar story, Luke chapter 17, beginning with verse 11. It says, Now it happened, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, just one, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. I'd like to pray for just a moment. Father, we come by the precious blood of Jesus. We thank you for this great opportunity that we have to gather in your name under the banner of your power and your, uh, your mercy, your salvation. I'm praying, God, that you, would, that you would fill us once again with gratitude, that we, could, uh, that we could once again appreciate the blessings that are in our life. And we thank you for all that you've done, all that you're going to do in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, Amen. What, what this scripture shows us this morning is five things that we can be thankful for. Now, my recommendation for people is to constantly keep a list of things that you're grateful for and review it often. Put a note on your smartphone that pops up every once in a while and reminds you of something that God has put in your life that you didn't deserve. That is a wonderful practice to keep your gratitude tanks full. But in our scripture, in this story of Jesus healing the ten lepers, we can find five specific things that I want to share with you this morning. Number one, thank you, Jesus, that you are not too busy for us. In verse 11 of our scripture, it said that Jesus, on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And so we know that this is part of Jesus' great journey, his ultimate destination of his earthly life, is that he's going to go to Jerusalem to complete the week of the Passion. 
He's going there. Uh, he sets his face to Jerusalem. He accepts the call of God upon his life. And he's going that direction. He's preparing for this final end, this great agony that he's about to go through. And you know what? He knows about it. He is not unaware that he's about to pay the price for all of the sins of mankind. That would be a heavy burden, right? Even we've seen, as we've been watching these uh, Jesus videos on Sunday nights, uh, we've been seeing hints of that, glimmers of him as he, uh, as he understands and recognizes that this ministry is only for a short amount of time, that his ultimate destination is the cross. And through the cross to be resurrected and redeem all of mankind. And yet, uh, his here, even in this scripture, it says he's on the way to Jerusalem. In fact, all the way in uh, chapter 9 uh, of, of Luke, he says that when the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, that he set his face to go to Jerusalem. It's like from that point on, everything he's doing is in the context of going to Jerusalem. And we know what's going to happen there. Now, we don't know exactly how much time has passed, but we do know that he is moving uh, toward this ultimate final destination. And so we could understand here if Jesus might have been a little preoccupied. Have you ever been getting ready to go on a big trip? Packing your bags, frantically cleaning your underwear, uh, checking off your list to make sure, you know, you've got everything. It's, you're not going to have to make the $50 Walmart run after you, after you get to the location that you're going to. And, uh, and so, I mean, that's just the stress of traveling, right? You're preoccupied with things. Have you ever uh, gotten a phone call or a text message in the midst of your frantic search to put things in the suitcase? It's like, I don't have time to talk to you. I have other things I'm worried about right now. Think about that state of mind. Who would you allow to interrupt you in those times? Maybe the night before you're getting on an early flight. Maybe, the, you know, there, there's lots of things going on. And, uh, and I've gotten those phone calls. When I've got something on my schedule and uh, the phone call, hey, Pastor Adam, um, hey, I just wanted to call. Uh, uh, could you pray for me? And I'm like, man, why do I have to be the pastor right now? I've got things I'm trying to finish, man. I've got things I got to do, you know. And this is I can understand why Jesus, who's about to go to the cross, how he might be preoccupied with a need of people on his way. You know, uh, I'm, I'm often disturbed when people, people, when they try to talk to me, they say, hey, Pastor Adam, I know you're busy, but, and then they say what they want to say. And, uh, you know, I, I think that people understand that, you know, being a, a volunteer pastor and, you know, uh, having two dual occupations and that puts a time restraint and raising a family. And yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty busy, but I do want to say this morning that, I'm not too busy to be the pastor. I'm not too busy to talk to you. And if you think that I'm too busy to talk to you, then I repent for putting on the show that I'm too busy. Please forgive me for that. I want to be, as Jesus was, accessible even when he was on the road to his final destination. And so thank you, Jesus, that as you're on your way to Jerusalem, you're making time 
to go through Samaria. You're making time to go through uh, uh, Samaria and Galilee. Isn't that incredible? Isn't it wonderful that Jesus never says, sorry, I don't have time for you today. I don't have time to, to listen to your prayers. I can be grateful for that. That when we are in the time of need, that he hears our prayer. Number two, what we can be thankful for. Thank you, Jesus, that you always answer the prayer for mercy. Look at verse 12. As he entered the village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance, lifting up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I want you to say the word mercy. Say it out loud. Mercy. That word is a beautiful word. It is, in, in the Greek, eleison. And what it means, what is, what is described by this word mercy, is uh, it, it means the emotion that is, that is created when you find contact with an affliction which was not deserved in someone else's life. That's a whole lot wrapped up in one little word. Let's, let's try that again. It's the way that you feel when you encounter someone who is suffering undeservedly for something that you do not have yourself. It is the way that you might feel if you're walking through uh, the cancer ward of a hospital and you see five-year-olds and six-year-olds in their beds suffering, right? That's, that's the emotion we're talking about. Have mercy. Mercy is the way that you feel. You don't, you're not suffering yourself, but you see someone else who has an affliction which they did not deserve. Now, this is exactly the plight of these lepers. No, I didn't say leopards for those listening carefully. They are lepers, which means they had leprosy. And leprosy, obviously, is a disease that you don't choose to go out and get. Nobody said, I want to grow up and be a leprous person. No, they contracted this disease, and as a result, they would have been kicked out of their people groups. They would have been ostracized. They would have no physical contact. Their relationships would be broken. If they have wives or husbands or children, they would have not seen them for years and years because of this leprosy. It was a greatly feared disease. And when Jesus sees them, this is their prayer. Have mercy on us. Lord, we want you to feel some compassion for our situation, even though you are not in it. Sometimes it's hard for Christians to feel that. It's hard for Christians to have mercy on people, especially we get jaded in this life, right? We get burned a few times in life or somebody's playing the victim card and, you know, well, I, I'm never going to help anybody again. Aren't you glad Jesus isn't like that? That he does show mercy. In fact, as you read through the gospel account, you will be surprised to find that Jesus never failed to answer the call for mercy. He never failed to do that. Matthew 9, 27, there were two blind men who cried out to Jesus for the same thing, for mercy. And Jesus didn't say, I don't have time for you. He said that he healed them. Matthew 15, a Canaanite woman begged for mercy for her demon-possessed daughter. Jesus responded to her call. Also in Matthew 17, Jesus had mercy on a boy 
who has epilepsy, demon-possessed. So what we see about Jesus is that he was never blind, right? He was never demon-possessed. He was never epileptic. Uh, he was never, uh, he never contracted leprosy. He never suffered those various things. And yet, Jesus was able to feel compassion for those people in the midst of their suffering. This is the God that we serve. This is the God who still shows compassion for us when we are in our time of need. I often hear about people, you know, who go through some certain illness and and uh, as a result of their illness they make it through and they say to themselves you know i want to help other people who had this same illness that i had and they start a fundraiser or a gofundme or uh start a foundation of some kind and, and all because because i experienced it now i want to help others who experience that well i want to tell you that's not mercy even though it's a good thing. But what Jesus did was something even greater. He says, I want to help these folks even though I haven't been through it myself. That's mercy. Aren't you glad? Can we be thankful this morning that Jesus has mercy on us? Even though we know He was at all points tempted as we are, but there's something so special that we can remember that whatever you are going through, Jesus can feel. He can have compassion with your need at this moment. There's only one place in the gospel account where Jesus does not show mercy. And I want to highlight that as we move forward. It's in Luke chapter 16, where Jesus tells the story of the rich man and a beggar named Lazarus. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Never once did the rich man lift a finger to help Lazarus. He was a poor man who was hungry at the gate, living at the gate of this rich man's house. The Bible says that Lazarus, they both die. Lazarus, the poor man, goes to heaven, and the rich man ends up in hell. And as Jesus tells this parable, this man is in torment. And Jesus gives us a window into what it's like in the fiery torment of hell. 
and he sees this rich man. He tells us that as he's there in torment, he looks up from hell and sees Lazarus at the side of Abraham. And he calls out the rich man, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water so that my tongue may be cooled, for I am in great anguish in this flame. It's the only time in the gospel accounts where someone begs for mercy and doesn't get it. Why? Because it's too late. For that rich man, it was too late. The mercy of God extends for as long as we are in this life, but it does not extend longer than that. As long as you are breathing. How many know? It's not too late to turn to Jesus. And we will receive mercy. This is the promise of God in our scripture. But when this life is over, the mercy runs out. God's mercy does not extend to the other side of the grave. We have this promise that God will make himself known by the Holy Spirit to every man in this life. And that if we refuse that mercy, it does not extend into eternity. This is why we as children of God, can't we be thankful this morning that he answered our cry? That he had mercy on us in our time of need. And so can you this morning if you have need of that mercy. Let's look thirdly at verse 14. We can also thank Jesus that he perfectly kept the law. Look at verse 14. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. This is actually something very interesting here, that this is one of those situations where uh, where they weren't necessarily fully cleansed in his presence. But it says that as they obeyed the voice of Jesus, he told them to go show themselves to the priest. This is part of the Levitical law that uh, they were to show themselves to the priest. And then the priest would pronounce them that they had been made clean. So Jesus fulfills the law of Moses here. And as they obey his word in that process, they are fully cleansed in their bodies. But it's very interesting here. This is what the law required. Leviticus 14, 2, instructed people that on the day a leopard was cleansed, he was to be brought to the priest. The priest would command, a sacrifice would be made, and then there was a ritual that had to be followed so that he could be pronounced clean and be able to then rejoin society. What a wonderful thing that would be. Jesus kept the law of Moses perfectly. In Matthew 5, 17, it says that he did not come to abolish the law, but rather to fulfill it. For us, you know, for those who are Gentile believers who are not familiar with the ways of the Jews, this is something that's easy sometimes for us to overlook. Why are we worried so much about those old dusty laws that God gave to Moses uh, and the Jewish people? Uh, and yet it was, it was absolutely critical for Jesus to fulfill the law of Moses to the smallest letter he said I tell you the truth until heaven and earth pass away not the smallest letter not the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished what does this tell us about Jesus he didn't take any shortcuts he did have contempt for the laws of men but he had 
respect and honor for the laws of God. He kept the law perfectly. We ought to thank Jesus that he kept the law, every part, even the part that required him to be the sacrifice for our sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Jesus could have said, ah, can't we just do this forgiveness thing without all that blood and mess? No, the law of Moses had to be fulfilled. So thank you, Jesus, for that. Number four, Jesus, that you show mercy to foreigners and strangers. Verse 18 says, were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? This is very interesting to me because then the, the Bible tells us that that uh, as Jesus, uh, uh, he sends these ten lepers to go speak to the priest. And the Bible said that they were cleansed as they showed themselves to the priest. And yet, after they are cleansed, after they are uh, made Uh, After they are healed, then there's one, the Samaritan, who comes back and thanks Jesus personally. It's verse 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Now, this also might seem like a minor detail, but listen, right here is the heart of the gospel. Because right here is because Jesus came first for the Jews and then later for the Gentiles. His primary mission was to save the people of God, the chosen ones. Well, only one came back to say thank you to Jesus, and he wasn't a Jew. He was a Samaritan. There was a long history of bad blood between the Jews and the Samaritans. And yet, in this story, the mercy was extended both to Jew and Samaritan alike. All ten were cleansed of their leprosy. But here, it's the Samaritan one who returns and falls to to the feet of Jesus in order to thank him. The question that Jesus asks is so powerful. Was no one found to return and give praise except this foreigner, this Stranger, I remember as I was thinking about that idea of the foreigner uh, a couple years ago, I had the uh, opportunity to go and preach in Lagos, Nigeria. And uh, just uh, last week, took my girls to the, the dentist and uh, the orthodontist there. Uh, I, he was looking at, at Jaylee's mouth and uh, inspecting everything and, you know, uh, what orthodontists do. And so I, I heard as he was speaking, he had kind of a little accent. And so after he was done, I, I said, uh, excuse me, sir, um, uh, wh- what's your home country? And he says, I am from Lagos. <laughs> and immediately I said, really? I've been there two times. And so he said, it's a crazy place. I said, I know. <laughs> and I related to him this story. I said, I, uh, I know what it's like to be a foreigner in a foreign land now because of Lagos. The, the, so we all we took an impact team there. I think it was 2018. There was a group of five of us that went. What an insane time we had. Uh, but then the following year, I went again, a uh, solo trip, just myself, uh, to go preach a revival there in the city of Lagos, Nigeria. And uh, so for I was there for almost a whole week. And I just, maybe maybe you've been through this before, but for me, it was the first time I was the only white guy that I could ever see 
for an entire week. Now, I didn't really notice it the first few days. And, and you know, to me, the, the racial issue is, is you know, I, I, that's such a, a stupid thing to me because, because we're, there's only one race, y'all. But I'm there in, in Nigeria, and so like day four or five, I realized that I hadn't seen another white person the whole time. And so I was like, wow, this is, this is what it feels like. And so I'm driving down the street, and Pastor Bitwell was there with me. And uh, I said, Pastor Bitwell, you know, it's some, something strange. Uh, I, I haven't seen another white person all this time, and I'm starting, you know, starting to feel like, uh, like different somehow. And then as we're driving down the road, there in the distance, I see, I see another white guy. And he's walking down the street. I say, there, there's another white guy. And, and so then as we get closer, upon further inspection, it was actually, he was an albino black man. <laughs> so, I'm alone again. <laughs> but it was hilarious. But at that moment, I felt what it was, what it was like to be a foreigner, to be a stranger. And even though, you know, we are of, if it wasn't for the family of God in the church, I would have felt utterly alone. But I want to tell you, this is what Jesus came to do to restore and redeem those who don't belong. The ones who don't deserve. The Samaritans. It's amazing to me, the first revival recorded in the gospel accounts happens not in Jerusalem, not in Judea. It happens in Samaria because he preaches to the woman at the well. Thank you, Jesus, that you have a heart for the foreigner, the one who doesn't belong, the one who's on the fringes, the one who doesn't deserve the attention of the rest. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And finally, my favorite of all of these is that thank you, Jesus, that you don't only heal the body, but you save the soul. Look at verse four, uh, 19, rather. Look very closely at this because you have to notice there's a difference uh, that is very important. Verse 19, he said to him, rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, in this translation, New King James, it says, well, your Bible might say something different. But in verse 14, compare that to verse 14, when it says that the, the other nine, so it was as they went, they were cleansed. In New King James, there's two different words used here, cleansed and made you well. There's two different descriptions of being healed. And there's a reason for that, because there's two different words in the original language. But every translation will have a different word between verse 14 to verse 19. Why is that? Because the first word in verse 14, when it says they were cleansed, is the Greek word katharizo. It's where we get the word catharsis. It means physical healing. But the word in verse 19, this is where it gets good. It says, your faith has made you well. That's a different Greek word. And this word is sozo. It's the same word where we are translated salvation. In other words, what this guy got, the Samaritan received something that the other nine did not. When the other nine were cleansed of their leprosy, that is a great miracle. But this miracle is even greater. He has been made whole. His body, his mind, his soul. Because he was not only, uh, he was not only healed, but he was saved. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be 
saved. So you have nine out of the ten that were cleansed, only one that was made whole. Here's the question for you this morning. Jesus is a healer. He does miracles for people who don't deserve it. He does things. He shows mercy to people even who are not saved. The question is, have you been made whole? Body, mind, and spirit. This is the salvation that is included in the power of, of, of forgiveness. This tenth leper, this foreigner, this, uh, this Samaritan man, he didn't follow the law. He, didn't, uh, he wasn't like the rest. He just came back to Jesus to thank him. And because of that action, he wasn't only healed, he was saved. I'm grateful for physical healing, for the miracles that God does even in our midst. But I'm even more grateful for salvation. And here's why. How many understand that any physical healing in this life, while it is a great miracle, is only temporary? Any physical healing. You know, I've seen people. I've seen incredible miracles of healing. But all of them, at the, if we understand correctly, those are temporary healings. Because one day, these physical bodies are going to break down. But this salvation, sozo salvation, body, mind, and spirit, that salvation never leaves us. That is what gives us eternal life. And so nine may have received a physical healing, but this one Samaritan, because he came and fell down at the feet of Jesus to thank him, this is when he received salvation. And so I want to say this to you as we close, that there's lots of people who have encounters with Christ. There's lots of people who show up to church on Sunday morning, but not all will have a sozo experience because not all will bow down at the feet of Jesus to thank him. Thanksgiving is a spiritual action. It is a surrender. It is a recognition that I can't do this on my own. Lord, you've got to help me have mercy on me. And I challenge you this morning to fill up the gas tank of your gratitude. Fill up because if Jesus saved you, if he saved you five minutes ago or five decades ago, I'm never going to get over the fact that my sins are forgiven because I didn't deserve that. I deserved his wrath and his condemnation, but instead he showed me mercy. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a few moments as we bring this service to a close. And as God is speaking to us today. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.